When I moved back to Amherst, Nova Scotia after 15 years away, something had changed. Like many other towns, our local businesses and business people have been overwhelmed by large corporations and monopolies. This hurt the spirit of our communities. We lost our autonomy, our self-reliance, and our hope. So join me as I learn more about where we are now, how we got here, and what we can do to take back our communities. I'm Andrew Cameron, and Monopolies Killed My Hometown. Welcome to Monopolies Killed My Hometown. This is episode number 17. So change of plans. This week in this episode, I'm going to talk about newspapers. I want to talk about newspapers for a long time. Last episode on the show, I mentioned that we'd look at the Competition Act review. I'm going to push that off until the new year because that may end up being a multi-part episode. And where this is the last holiday before the season, I want to talk about newspapers. I've always loved them. We always had them around our house. On Saturday, my dad would go out and come home with like four different newspapers and we'd all sit around and read them. I also have a long history about it. So stick around. We'll talk about the real importance of why I think newspapers are necessary for our communities. I'll share sort of the traditional stories or the common stories about what happened to the newspaper industry. And then I'll share the two that aren't talked about a whole lot. And most importantly, you'll hear about me at nine years old calling up to get a newspaper route. So stick around, enjoy this episode. So last summer, I helped my parents clean out their attic and I found an old scrapbook that my grandmother kept. And so my grandmother made scrapbooks of newspaper articles or photos about anyone and everyone in her family. If you were in an article or a picture of you was in the newspaper, my grandmother cut it out and kept it. She was so proud for her family to make the newspaper. It was a big deal. She wanted to keep it. And so this scrapbook that I found was from 1943 to 1945. And it was all clippings and letters about my grandfather. This is my dad's dad. And so at this time, my grandfather was a labor leader at a manufacturing plant in Amherst that was making airplane parts during World War II. Not all the articles about my grandfather are all really that important, but I still really love them. Like there was a strike at the plant. And so that was like headline news above the fold strike. Near the end of the war, the plant stopped making airplane parts. And my grandfather was part of a delegation that went up to Ottawa by train to talk to the war minister to lobby for the plant to start making ammunition for the rest of the war. Didn't happen, got awarded somewhere else. But that article was in there. And there was a nice letter from the MP to my grandfather. There was also another little clip that I just loved. Um, so my grandfather lived about probably five, maybe 10 minutes away from the newspaper office. He obviously went in there all the time to talk to them, just see what was going on. I mean, that was my grandfather. And so this little clip was the newspaper editor writing and saying that he ran into my grandfather on the street one day. And he said that he noticed he hadn't been in there that often. And that's why I say my grandfather must have gone there so much that if the newspaper editor noticed. And so the newspaper asked my grandfather, he said, you know, where were you? What's been going on? Well, my grandfather said, oh, right, I had my appendix taken out. And this made the newspaper. It made me smile. It was just a wonderful thing to see. Did it make a difference in most people's lives? Probably not, but it was just a great thing to learn about and see in the newspaper. And so this is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about local newspapers, and I want to talk about the Amherst Daily News. And I want to 
share what I've realized about newspapers and what they bring to a community and share sort of my take on what I see happen to them. You know, so I touched on our local radio station episode four, and today I just want to really talk about newspapers. And so for me, one of the things that I eventually realized is I've come to think that locally owned newspapers, I mean, yes, they do journalism and they report the news and those sorts of things, but I really think their most important role is the local newspaper is how a community communicates amongst itself. And to me, that's what journalism is. It's sharing the stories of what's happening. It's telling people about what's happening at town council at local businesses, the police report, different things like that. It's a way to communicate what's happening in the community, in the town, whether it's, you know, sports, politics, business, or events. The newspaper's there to let the community know what's going on. And it's a place where businesses can communicate to their target audience, you know, share their sales, share what's happening, share what's going on. Uh, local organizations can share what's happening, what they've got going on, the events that they've scheduled or upcoming. But even more than that, it's a way for the community to celebrate the wins and successes of its community members. And it's also a way for the community to share in collective grief over losses. And so when I think back growing up near Amherst, we had the Amherst Daily News, which was a local daily newspaper, Monday to Friday. We had the Chronicle Herald, which was the provincial newspaper. There was also the Spring Hill and Parisboro Record and the Oxford Journal and the Sackville Tribune. So what's that? Five newspapers. And these were all located within 20, 30 minutes of Amherst. You know, in Spring Hill and Parisboro were small communities. Oxford and Sackville were also smaller communities. And they had their own newspapers. And most of them had their own printing presses, too. And the thing is, these newspapers focused on their community. But now they're all gone. Right? The Amherst Daily News have been replaced with a weekly flyer wrap that covers all of Cumberland County. Beyond the news and the reporting and the journalism and the events, you know, the newspapers also provided a lot of jobs in the areas. Reporters, printers, ad sales, people, logistics, uh, paper carriers. <laughs> and in the intro, I said, like, I, I have a long history with newspapers. And so it's kind of funny for me when I look back on it. But I started to deliver the Chronicle Herald when I was, I think, like nine years old. At that point, I think I was motivated by buying more hockey cards. I picked up the phone and called down to the Herald office and asked someone to give me a paper route. <laughs> and so one of the things that I find uh, kind of hilarious when I think back about it is... You know, this was a large business trusting the delivery of their product to a nine-year-old. I assume in hindsight, you know, I assume there was some sort of guarantee from my parents. But I also had to do more than just deliver the newspaper. Like, I had to go out every couple of weeks and to collect money. Like, if people didn't pay directly to the newspaper, I had to go out and collect it. And I would get a bill from the Herald for, like, the newspaper. So if I wasn't collecting money, I didn't have the money to pay for the papers. Like, basically at nine, running my own little business, and like, looking back on it. I did it with quite a bit of help from my mom, you know, so every day I carried the newspapers and delivered them. But even I was thinking about the other day, I was also like sent out on like subscription drives. So like there'd be times of the year I'd go out on my route and go to all the houses that weren't getting the paper delivered already, knock on the door, walk up and say, hi, would you like to subscribe to the newspaper? I think I did this so much. I still have this burned in my head. $5.04 for daily delivery every two weeks. 504 for every two weeks. And then I would get a cut. Like, I think I would get like a finder's fee or a commission or whatever anytime somebody wanted to subscribe. And I think it's probably smart sending out like cute little nine-year-old kids asking people to sign up. So I'm not saying we bring back like newspapers and paper routes for kids because it is a little bit kind of odd when I think back on it, but maybe we do. I don't know. 
Let's get back to local newspapers and what happened to them. In my mind, there are a couple conventional stories out there related to the internet and the decline of local news and local newspapers. And there's kind of two other stories that I see that aren't told a whole lot, but I want to share what I think I saw happen. So the first conventional story is that there was like Craigslist, Kijiji, and other online classified sites that came up for free, which took a regular source of revenue from newspapers. So that's part of it. There's also a story about people not wanting to pay for newspapers if they could get the articles online for free. I get that one. I'm the Napster generation as well. So why should I pay for music if I could download it for free? So that's also true. But I think both of these would have been challenging, but surmountable for local newspapers. There's another story about the domination of online ad sales by Google and Facebook. I think I read a stat. It's like 90% of all digital advertising go through Google and Facebook. And so they're taking a pretty good cut of that and it's harming local newspapers. Right now, there are antitrust lawsuits in the U.S. against Google and Facebook because of their monopolization of the digital advertising market. Australia also just passed a law this year allowing smaller newspapers to come together to collectively bargain with Facebook and Google for payment for their content. And Canada has a law, I think it's Bill C-18, and the reality is without government intervention in some ways, either through antitrust or competition policy or other policies like collective bargaining, local newspapers can't deal with the power of Google and Facebook. So these are three important stories. And I have two other stories that I want to share related to kind of what we talk about here with competition policy and monopolies and consolidation of industries and their impact on communities and local businesses. First one is as small businesses are rolled up and closed, the newspapers lose a huge advertising clientele. You know, every time a small business closes, there's one less business that can advertise in the newspaper. And the large chains don't need to rely on a local newspaper as much. Another story, and this is the one that I really want to focus on, you know, in the early 2000s, there was sort of the roll-up of the local newspaper industry. So let's go back to the Amherst Daily News. It was a daily newspaper from 1893 until 2013, when it switched to a weekly. In March 2020, it stopped being printed at all. And I think through this, like running a newspaper was always a very difficult business. Yet, I think if you could run it well, there was money to be made. The Amherst Daily News was also locally owned until 2003, when Transcontinental purchased the Amherst Daily News, the Citizen Record, the Sackville Tribune, and the printing presses from the local owner for $4.8 million. $4.8 million is a lot of money in 2022, and it would have felt like even more in 2003. And so Transcontinental Media is like a media printing conglomerate based out of Quebec. And at this point in 2003, in the early 2000s, they were rolling up the print industry, local newspapers, printing presses. So in 96, they purchased 32 local and regional newspapers in Ontario and Quebec. Then in 2002, they acquired 12 local and regional newspapers from CanWest Global and Atlantic Canada and Saskatchewan. 2003 was the Amherst Daily News. 2004, they purchased OptiPress, the largest publishing and print company in Atlantic Canada, and obtained 25 newspapers. And so by this point, Transcontinental owned most of the newspapers in Atlantic Canada, except for the English dailies in New Brunswick that were owned by the Irving family, which is a discussion for another episode, I'd say. 2017, Transcontinental sold all their Atlantic Canada newspapers to the Chronicle Herald, which at that point changed its name to the Saltwire Network. Since then, Saltwire has sued Transcontinental over this detail. 
I don't know all the details, but there's something about accusing them of misrepresenting subscriber numbers. So yeah, I don't think things are going great. And so I want to go back and focus on the original purchase price of $4.8 million. And to me, it's impact on the newspaper as a business. I don't know how much the Amherst Daily News was making at the time, but I'm going to assume it was a solid business at that time. It was probably paying the owner, say, a salary of 100000 probably made another profit of 100000 In case I'm underestimating, let's round it up another fifty or 100000 So I'm just going to guess it's making two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 a year. So at this point in 2003, interest rates you know, were 4 to 5%. So you're not going to take the risk of buying a newspaper for $4.8 million unless you're going to make a return on that investment of a lot more. Like I would think you'd be wanting to push 10%. Right. So you'd be wanting to make, you know, four hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year on this deal. But my guess is the newspaper wasn't making that. So I can't see how at that point these newspapers were justifying a value of four point eight million dollars based on what they were doing at that time. You know, it just doesn't work out to me unless the newspapers were worth more to Transcontinental, one, because they had the money, and two, because they didn't plan on running it like the existing businesses, and they were seeking to gain quote unquote efficiencies. And what did that mean? Layoffs and cost cutting. And so that's what they did. They closed the printing press in Amherst and consolidated all the printing to, I believe, their big press in PEI. And so to me, the story that I'd always heard about this merger was that Transcontinental just wanted the printing business. They didn't want to be in the actual news business. So closing the press gained them some efficiencies. Whether it was enough? Well, obviously not, because over time, they laid off more reporters and staff. This gained them more efficiencies, but ultimately impacted the product. And so as they had fewer and fewer reporters, the Amherst Daily News and the county paper, the Citizen Record, started to produce less local content, and they filled their pages by getting more national and international news from the different wire services. With less local content, there was less reason to buy these newspapers anymore. And so I remember, I think it was around 2008 or 2009, the Amherst Daily News put out a survey on what they could be doing differently. And I wrote in and I just said, focus on local news. Stop with all the news I can get in the other papers, right? The Chronicle Herald is going to write about provincial news. The Globe and Mail is going to write about national news. The Amherst Daily News is the only paper that is going to write about Amherst. Focus on this and do it well. I didn't hear anything back from anybody. So this obviously reached a tipping point in 2013 where they didn't either have enough staff to produce the content or just business didn't justify producing a daily newspaper anymore. And they switched the Amherst paper to a weekly paper in hopes of keeping it viable. And to me, looking back on it, I think they were just in this vicious downward cycle. You know, they didn't have the staff to produce enough content locally, which reduced the quality of the newspaper, less reason for local people to buy the newspaper, so less revenue coming in, therefore less revenue for staff, therefore less content. And it became, in my mind, became a vicious downward cycle. And so this, to me, led to the sale of all the papers to the Chronicle Herald in 2017. And after that, again, there were more layoffs and cuts. In 2018, the Amherst and the Cumberland County paper were consolidated into one weekly free paper that was sent out with the flyers. And this carried on until the start of COVID, March 2020. And so even at that point, there was only one reporter to cover a county with 30,000 people, five different municipalities at that point, with five different municipal governments. And this was an area that was once covered by four different newspapers. Anyways, Cumberland County with 30,000 people doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it can take a solid two hours to get from one side of the county to the other. Like this is a massive area to expect one reporter to cover and do it justice. 
you know, there was just no hope for a strong, high-quality local newspaper to be produced. So my argument is the final death knell for the newspapers was Transcontinental paying too much money for it in 2003 because it wasn't going to make enough money to justify that investment unless they cut costs in staff. The cuts led to an inferior product, less customers, less revenue, which then led to more cuts, a lower quality product, less customers, less advertising, and down and down and down. Like these cuts didn't give the newspapers a chance to fight against the other pressures on the industry, such as the rise of online digital advertising. And I've been saying this for a number of years, and I know I sound insane, but I still stand by that a high-quality local newspaper would be a viable business again. And I stand by that the Amherst Daily News from 2003, without being saddled with such a huge purchase price, would have had a chance to fight through all the disruptions that were coming to the local news industry and would still exist today. It would have been hard, and it would have looked a little bit different, but it would still be here, and I still think this is possible. So what can we do about this and how does it relate to our discussion on competition policy? So I think about it and the reality is to me, we may not be able to address local newspapers directly through competition policy beyond breaking up the digital advertising duopoly of Facebook and Google. That can, you know, allow more money to flow through to local newspapers. That'd be one thing. And so one of the other things with mergers like these, like with the role of newspapers and those sorts of things is the merger notification threshold. It's so high that none of these mergers would have required the Competition Bureau to be notified or to have it reviewed. So, I mean, in the review, we could change it so that we could designate local newspapers or newspapers in general as a special industry where all potential mergers must go through a notification process. I mean, that's something. We can also take other actions. Like, like I said before, we have Bill C-18, which allows newspapers to collectively bargain with Google and Facebook for payment for their content. That's one of the things seems to be helping in Australia, and I think it would help in Canada as well. There's also direct investment by governments into local newspapers. I don't know about that. There's arguments for it, but I just kind of go, oh, I don't know. You know, we could take like a Post Media, for example. They own so many different newspapers. I mean, we could force them to divest a whole bunch of newspapers, but then we run into sort of an issue of getting them printed. Like historically, there is printing presses in a lot of the different towns, but they're all gone now. Like in Nova Scotia, I think there's one independent printing press and the rest are owned by Saltwire. In New Brunswick, most of them are owned previously by Irving. I don't know if they sold them when they sold all the newspapers to Post Media. So, you know, is there a model where the government can provide funding to invest in a publicly owned printing press? Like if we want to go back to the newspaper model, like I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a whole lot of necessarily answers on what we do, but I just I just know that if we think about newspapers as the way that the community communicates amongst itself, we need to replace them with something. We need something. Because if you take a family or a business or a team or anything, if you can't communicate well, the chance of you thriving and building something great are small. You may luck into something, but I wouldn't bet on it. And without the local newspapers, without the local news, local journalism, communities can't talk to each other. We can't talk amongst ourselves. We can't debate big issues that we have going on around. We can't share in the successes. We can't share in the wins. We can't help each other process the loss and the grief that come from tragedies. We don't know about all the different events that are happening. We don't see the successes that people have. We don't see the little wins. We lose that ability to share. We need to figure something out. 
and hopefully through either Bill C-18, competition reviews, just in general, hopefully we can all pull together and address this problem. So once again, thank you for listening to Monopoly's Killed My Hometown. So this is going to be the last episode before the holidays. I hope you, your family, your friends, that you all have a wonderful Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, however you celebrate, however you spend your time. I hope all the best for you. And I'll be back in 2023. Take care, everyone. What are you doing at the small town after the movie show through? A few powerful companies. Main Street is struggling. Monopolies killed my hometown.